Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the breakfast show with Lynn and me, Ryan. That's right. On Mind Your Business this morning, we're talking about investment volume in Singapore's property segment. It's declined sharply in Q2 2023. Yeah, so it's down 50.1% year on year, sequentially down 5.7%. Mm-hmm. So it is starting to raise questions. Is it going to drop further? Where does it go from here? Uh, we'll be talking about some of the key findings from the latest Q2 2023 Singapore Investment Market Report with Chris Pilgrim, Managing Director of Global Capital Markets Asia Pacific from Colliers. Welcome to the show, Chris, and welcome to the studio. Thanks very much for having me. Looking forward to it. Chris, how's your morning going so far? Uh, well, it's been an early start, but I can't complain because I think you guys start even earlier. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right, so let's uh, set up the context here. So we've been seeing... Property for past few years, rather resilient. And then we get into the second quarter. And here we've got the numbers. We talk about it falling in the second quarter by 50.1% year on year. But I suppose last year was a bit of a blip because we are coming off the pandemic. So maybe sequentially would be a better comparison. So it's down 5.7%. How will you describe the state of the property market right now? Well, look, Ryan, I think there's, you know, various ways to look at this. And I think just maybe some context uh, for Singapore. But, you know, globally, the first half volume has actually been down 60%. So as you say, sequentially, 5% on a relative basis puts Singapore in a pretty good place, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, when we start looking towards the future, certainly into the second uh, part of this half, um, you know, we really see volumes beginning to pick up again um, in terms of just the allocation towards real estate, uh, particularly within Singapore as a a major property market for the region, uh, looking far more optimistic. Now, how has the uh, uncertain macroeconomic environment and high borrowing costs affected private investment in Singapore? Well, look, Lynn, I think um, you know, there's various parts to that. Look, worldwide, I think we've, we've faced you know, various inflationary measures and interest rates as well. And of course, last night we saw the Fed put uh, interest rates up again to a 22-year high. So mm-hmm. I think you know, really that's largely affecting a lot of real estate uh, decisions as well. Um, I think from a private investor point of view, um, we see it in two ways. I think some are taking a more of a cautionary approach um, and waiting more for that you know, stability to come back into the debt markets as well, uh, where lending rates sort of are complementary to where you sit from an equity position for your return. Um, but the, the other side to that is a lot of private capital, particularly within Southeast Asia, is very equity rich. And mm-hmm. from the real estate world that we're working in, both for Singapore, across pretty much all real estate asset classes, uh, but in other major markets as well, we're seeing it's a really great opportunity for private equity buyers uh, to use their equity whilst the debt markets are, are slightly uh, more fractious at the moment. Right, so you're alluding to perhaps a rotation away from other assets into property. Uh, yeah, not just in that, but in terms of uh, where that equity places its, its uh, capital into real estate, um, both from a residential point of view, but also into different asset classes within real estate as well. Okay, you highlighted interest rates. So we've been seeing it creep up over the past few years, but that hasn't really deterred anyone from going to the property space. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at diverse investment, uh, real estate remains a really strong aspect for for most uh, investors, mm-hmm. whether institutional or private. Um, I think what we've seen, particularly over the last 10 years, and especially from institutions, whether uh, sovereign wealth funds or, or pension funds as well, largely there's been a much um, greater increase to real estate allocation. Um, and therefore, those allocations, particularly with growing funds as well, are constantly chasing more product as well. So within diversity, it's not just focusing on one asset class 
class. I think investors are seeking that uh, diversity both geographically and from an asset class point of view. Uh, but real estate is definitely a, a key hard asset for that. And uh, what are the new investment trends shaping up in the region? How is Singapore positioned to capitalize on the opportunities emerging as a result of these trends? Yeah, Lynn, I mean, there's two two bits I think I'll pick up on that. I think one, regionally, I think trends are beginning to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think capital from Singapore is very much at the forefront of that. Um, and I break that down that really, if we went back almost a decade ago, I think for a lot of real estate investors, that really meant focusing on those traditional real estate asset classes, so residential, office, logistics. Mm. Um, what we really see now is that real shift in those new asset classes within real estate, mm. um, which are all more sort of thematic in their approach. So um, senior living, for example, mm. which again is beginning to grow, healthcare opportunities are very much um, part of you know, investors' uh, psyche now. Um, and of course, student housing. Mm. So I think from a regional perspective, we're certainly seeing different real estate asset classes being invested in, certainly from a future position. Um, and then even within Singapore, I think, you know, it's very much at the forefront of, of picking up on a lot of those trends. And whilst not necessarily directly seeing that manifest all in Singapore, mm-hmm. we've certainly seen some of the bigger institutions from Singapore following those thematic um, trends, particularly into student housing, particularly in America, the UK, um, and, and some of those other multifamily asset classes mm-hmm. as well. All right. We're in conversation with Chris Pilgrim. He's the Managing Director for Global Capital Markets Asia Pacific for Colliers. Now, Chris, you talk about how there's an increasing appetite for property and this is coming to Singapore from a few places. Where is it coming from? The money that's coming into Singapore, where are they going as well? Yeah, like Ryan, I mean, it's it's an interesting question and I think we've really seen a shift in that um, in twofold. One is um, we've seen a lot more capital coming into Singapore from North America and also from Europe. Mm-hmm. And we really see that from the institutions. I'd really highlight at the moment the Canadian pension funds or the Canadian mm. pension plans. We've seen a lot of that Canadian capital really from 10 years ago went to London for European strategies. We now see that in the next phase of coming to Asia Pacific and largely domiciling in Singapore. Um, and again, that's for regional strategies. But when you break that down, where does that capital want to go? Mm. Um, Singapore is definitely in that top three of those markets in, in where that wants to go, probably with Japan and Australia as well. So we've certainly seen capital coming in from there. Then more on the private side, of course, um, we see more mainland Chinese capital looking to domicile, of course, in Singapore. And there's always been a strong flow of Indonesian private capital coming into Singapore uh, for assets specifically in Singapore as well. So what are the fundamentals driving these trends? Can you elaborate on, on that and perhaps share more insight on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, Lynn, I mean, it, it really depends on the investor and, and what they're really looking to do in terms of their diversification. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Singapore as, you know, very much with a strong, you know, strong sense of law, very stable political system, mm-hmm. a strong financial system, generally trending, you know, within those larger global trends. Um, is really attractive for international capital that's looking to come into Singapore and certainly using that as a, as a base for the region as well. So I think that's a real driver for why capital comes to Singapore, uh, perhaps more than anywhere else. But it also gives a very global dynamic being based here. It gives that mm. sort of pivoting point of, you know, strategies for certainly in Singapore, but also where else that capital may want to deploy. Okay, so we talked about how in the second quarter, we did see a dip about 50% on year and sequentially it was down about 5%. Where do you see the rest of the year going? Is it going to be drifting further downwards or is there going to be a rebound? 
Look, I mean, typically in, in any market, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a more of a stronger year or, or a slightly weaker year, um, the second half is generally a much stronger half mm. um, in terms of volumes that we see. Um, and that's for a variety of reasons. One is obviously some equity buyers have allocations. They want to get used and deployed by the end of the year. Um, obviously, some lenders also have allocations which they need to, to utilize as well. And I think that meeting between the debt and equity side, particularly as, as we go into the uh, key three and key four, will start to find that equilibrium to allow higher transactional volume. Um, but we're also seeing some pretty strong trends, Ryan, where actually, you know, particularly in the logistics sector, we see that as a stronger sector right now. Um, so some sectors will certainly be, be winners and losers in that. But of the $900 you know, million dollars transacted in logistics uh, in the first half in Singapore, we certainly see that trend, a lot more capital still looking for logistics assets in Singapore. Um, and similarly, I think when you look at the quality of modern office space, particularly in Singapore for the region, there's still that real demand from investor appetite to find best-in-class ESG-compliant office, mm. um, where we're seeing rental growth and also really you know, tight supply constraints as well. So with all of those sort of dynamics kicking in, we see that as a, you know, as a strong investment market okay. as we come into the back end of the year in 24 as well. Okay, I'm curious about the dynamics. Uh, you mentioned the opportunities out there. Are you also seeing REITs starting to think mm. about selling the stuff, like divesting the stuff as a form of capital recycling because rates are high and that's a way or easier way to borrow cash or raise cash right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question, Ryan. And I think we've seen sort of both sides. I think we've both seen REITs looking to, to sell assets, but also acquiring new assets as well. And as you say, it's very much part of that recycling process. Um, you know, pretty much worldwide. I mean, REITs have the challenge at the moment of where largely they're trading um, in terms of their, their share price relative to where asset price is sitting. Um, and Singapore's obviously not been immune to that either. So from an investor point of view, it's really, you know, are we looking to invest in the REIT structure or the hard asset as well. But certainly we've seen some sales, and I say that's pretty much in every major market around the world. But of course, that capital that's raised is then put back into new investments as well, taking advantage of uh, perhaps where pricing might be in a certain market, whether it's to enter into a new sector. And again, some of these thematics I discussed that capital is looking for new real estate asset classes generally. All right. Um, thank you very much, Chris. Chris Pilgrim there, Managing Director of Global Capital Markets, Asia Pacific Colliers. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.